Hi, listeners. Listen to the podcast, The Total Podcast, with me, your host, Phil Scott. Follow the podcast on Instagram, at PodcastPhil, and catch episodes of The Total Podcast with Phil Scott on YouTube. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Total Podcast with me, your host, Phil Scott. Today, I have the honor of having two wonderful authors on, but their story is quite unique. They are a mother and daughter duo, and their pen name is Heather and Quinn, but that's not the real names. But it is, but it's not. So we're going to dive into that further, but without further ado, let me have my guest on, my first guest. Um, they are Heather and Quinn, also known as Heather McDonald, that's a mom, and Quinn Slobodin. Did I get it right? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All You're right. Here. So ladies, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and we were finally able to get our uh, schedules lined up to do that. So thank you so very much for agreeing to do this. I've been looking forward to this for a while now. So you have written a book called Journey to Juniper Junction, but you have a book coming out. Oh, and there it is. But you have, a, you have the follow-up to that coming out on, is it January 25th? Is that correct? That's right. That's it, yeah. So we're going to talk about your, your, we can talk about both books. I'd love to do that if you, if you ladies are game for that. And then we're going to talk about first, if you don't mind your background story. So I went on Amazon and I kind of got a, a background as to, and it was fascinating. It was fascinating to read that. I was like, wow. So Heather, if you would, why don't you start telling me your story and then Quinn, you can jump in and I'll let you ladies take it from there. So Heather, okay. tell me about your background first. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having us, first of all, Bill. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Let's talk about our book. And, uh, well, books, right? Come January yes. 5th. Books. Yes. We've already started on book three, too. So we're... Oh, wow. We're book three comes out this summer as well. Awesome. So, wow. Yeah, I love forward. this. I love the pace that you're doing in it. Because it's been like six months since your first book came out, correct? That's right. Yeah. And that's kind of our schedule is every six months. So... My background was, um, as I, well, I, I was born in Scotland, and then I grew up in Canada. I was a baby when my parents brought us here. And then uh, my, my background as a writer, I mean, I was always writing as a child, and I, I wanted to be a professional writer, so I went into commercial communications, and I was a PR uh, person for, for a while, writing news releases and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I started writing feature articles, or magazines, and that was my job when my children were young. I was writing feature magazines. Uh, we lived in the UK at the time. We moved there in 1990. My husband was doing his PhD in the UK, so I just took my business and started writing there, and it went very well. And then from there, um, we came back to Canada in 98, and I started doing some fiction writing. I mean, I'd always been dabbling in fiction writing, but I sold a little bit of fiction in 98. 
actually I have to back up also because I also self-published a book oh, in wow. 1991, which I forgot, um, called The Busy Mom's Cookbook. And that was because Quinn, a bit of a picky eater when she was a toddler. So <laughs> I thought, you know, I'll, I'll figure that out. And so I published that. And then back home here, I just started writing a little bit of fiction, short stories, that kind of stuff, getting some of that published. And then ultimately said to Quinn one day, you know, I, she knew I'd always wanted to write a book, but I tried, I tried NaNoWriMo. That was really good for me. Got me to see that I could write a book, mm -hmm. but I couldn't find my niche. You know, I just felt like, oh, this isn't quite right. And then I was painting the house that we're living in now. My husband and I sold the big family house. We moved to a small house in the country. And I was listening to books on tape. And I love well, books on tape. That is really dating me. <laughs> <laughs> Audio books. And I was listening to children's stories because I quite often like children's, uh, you know, sort of adventure stories and that kind of stuff because they're so lighthearted and fun. And I just was in the mood for it. And I started thinking, you know, I've had this children's story in my mind for a long time. A lot of fun, kind of the family that, that kind of ideal fun family and some adventure. And so I told Quinn about it. And really, I'm going to let you take it over from there, Quinn, because that's how Journey to Juniper Junction started. So, yeah. Carry on. So, wow. my story. So, I was born here in Canada. And then we moved to England when I was two. And we were in England until I was 10. So, a lot of my formative years are spent there and it gives me a really good basis for writing Gemma because she's coming from England to Canada. So it's, uh, I can use a lot of, I understand how she'd be feeling. Um, but when we were little, mom was like, she said, a writer. And I always loved that. Our lives really revolved around that. I mean, when mom was writing her features, we would go to the reference library. It was pre-internet, obviously. And we'd go to the children's library and get kids books and we'd read our books while mom did research. So reading and writing were always part of our lives. And um, after I finished university, I got the typical office job and I enjoyed it. And I really liked it when it was just me and my husband. But then I had my first daughter and I loved being on maternity leave with her. And I really wanted to be home with her. And I started thinking, what can I do to have the kind of lifestyle with my daughter that we had with my mom where she had her own thing and I really admired her for that but she was also really available to us which was wonderful mm -hmm. so I started writing little stories for my just my one daughter at the time um little poems and things like that and then uh, stories to help teach her lessons so she was having you know an issue with something I'd write her a little story to help her understand it mm -hmm. and mom then told me about this idea that she had and I just couldn't get it out of my head so one night I was up with my second daughter when she was about three weeks old <laughs> and on my phone I just wrote the first chapter of the book and I wow. emailed it to her and I was like mom what do you think of this will this help you get started on your story and she immediately you know wrote back to me the next day and was like I love this do you want to work together and I think secretly I kind of been hoping she'd say that <laughs> I was I said yes I definitely want to work together so that's kind of how our you know both our experiences led us to this point of working together and how we came up with the name Heather and Quinn oh yes so Heather and Quinn I think that I had thought of it and dad had thought of it too well you thought Heather Quinn yeah because they're both Quinn is actually named after her maternal pardon me paternal grandmother her oh, last wow. name is Quinn 
So when my husband and I met really within like maybe three weeks, we knew we wanted to be together. And we started talking about marriage and kids. And I said, you know, your mom's maiden name would make a great name for our first baby. And he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So that's how Quinn came about. So she said, Heather Quinn. And I said, great idea. And my husband said, um, why don't you say Heather and Quinn, like Heather and Quinn, Heather and Quinn, you know, we were like, that's a great idea. Yeah. 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 So that's how Heather and Quinn came about. That was an awesome idea. Wow. That's, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I mean, and, and your, I love that your story is so different and unique because you don't hear a, a lot about mother-daughter. As a matter of fact, you're the first mother-daughter writing duel I've heard of. And so just, just to see how this is just worked out beautifully is amazing. So I wanted to ask you, so what has the entire process been like for the both of you? just working on this book together? Well, first of all, the first word that comes to mind for me is joy. Yes, very enjoyable. Yeah, we really, we've always got along extremely well. And uh, we've always understood each other. We're really different people, aren't we, Quinn? Yes. Yes. I mean, Quinn, I'll say I should talk about myself, not you. Because, but, you know, being a mother, you can't help it. You want to say no, Quinn is that? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... I used to say to Quinn when she was two years old, I'd say, where would I be without you keep me straight? Because she was so sensible, you know, from wow. the time she was just a little tiny girl. And I tended to be kind of a leap and then look, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a person. So we complement each other well, really. Well. And we, we, we work well together. And we don't really have a big ego involved in our work, do we? We no. don't really have any ego involved in our... <laughs> yeah. We don't protect our writing from each other. You know, like, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would say I kind of liken it to like a ping pong game. We, one of us will work on the story and then we'll back it to the other person who will then work on it a bit, send it back, you know, so we each add something to the story each time we look at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, if one of us, you know, writes a whole chapter that the other one doesn't like, then, okay, we just, you know, put it aside and we do it again. Yeah. So, yeah, I think when you say we don't have a big ego, that's, that's what I mean. That's what yeah, I mean. Like yeah. Neither of us guards our writing from the other. You know, we're, we're always trying to make the story better. You know, that's the main thing, isn't it? We want the story to be as good as it can possibly be. And for us, that means that it has to be, first of all, fast paced because children like fast paced stories. Right. It has to be funny, you know, because kids are funny by nature. They like humor. You see that from the time they're tiny, right? They're always laughing. So we love to put a lot of humor into our books. And, uh, you know, as far as, I guess that's it really, isn't it? We really like them to be fast paced, humorous, kindly, right? And um, yeah, so when we're working together, we're always trying to keep that in mind. So yes. each one of us is that writing. Us. Yeah, we try to write with that in mind and then the other person helps us and if one of us is struggling with a chapter or with a scene for whatever reason often giving it to someone else yes yeah who knows the story equally well because we both know what how that character will behave because we both have written a story so you don't have to explain the situation to the other person you just have to say here's the scene this is what I've done and you know that they know how that character will behave without having to explain anymore right and, so that, that's that, too. and that makes a lot of sense too and and, yes. I, and I can tell also during the editing process too, that must be helpful as well. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course you have to have a lot of mutual respect, right? And just know that 
the other, like neither of us is ever harsh either, are we? No. Like we never just say, well, that's rubbish, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that. You know, we just say, hmm, is that really how so-and-so would behave? Do you think that she would say that? Or, you know, things like that. Or sometimes, you know, I think what happens also with Quinn and I is that Quinn is very good at just kind of like the nub of the story. This is where we're going. This is what's going to happen. And I tend to flesh it out. But sometimes I just start flashing it out, don't I? It just becomes really big and unruly. And then I'll just, you know, and, and then I send it back to Quinn and she's like, all right, mom, we'll <laughs> <laughs> just take, take some of that out of there, you know? And it, yeah, it kind of reflects our personalities because I'm definitely more talkative than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long did it take you to write the first book, Journey to Juniper Junction? How long did it take you to, to write the first one? Um, so we started at the end of, like, I wrote the first chapter and sent it to mom at the end of February, 2021, and it was published July, 2021. Yeah. Wow. And so a lot goes into it. Like, I would say the first draft was probably done by April. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was a solid first draft, you know, you have your zero draft and all the rest of it, but I would say that it was a solid readable chapter book by April and that's another bonus too when you've got two people working on it you have not only got the energy of two people but you also have the accountability right if this person has invested their time into this project and you've agreed to work on it with them then you have to sit down and work on it you can't Mm -hmm. just say "Mm, today I'd rather go shopping you know or the garden needs me or something like that so I think that really makes you buckle down and get on with it yeah. so that because really there's self-imposed deadlines that are very easy yeah. to brush aside if you don't have someone counting on you and then i think also we involved a mentor at an early stage too as soon as we had a first draft and we knew we had something good and we liked it and we thought we can see a future for this we hired uh, a professional children's writer mentor and she helped us to with um, the self-publishing process so right. like how to actually how do we get it to the next stage yeah yeah so that, that was um april cox that we hired and she was really helpful to us yeah and that she really, helped, really us, helped us um get there i think a little bit faster because trying to understand the self-publishing would have taken forever so yeah. when we had the first draft having someone kind of guide us through that process right really sped up the process of getting the book out there yeah. once we had a book yeah because she calls it self-publishing made simple and really, there's nothing simple about it. I think Quinn really summed up when she said, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you're out there trying to figure out the, the, the publishing process. And it's, it's really tricky. It's big and unruly. And it looks so simple when you just hear about it on YouTube because you're watching videos and all the rest of it. But there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hi, listeners. Listen to the podcast, The Total Podcast, with me, your host, Phil Scott. Follow the podcast on Instagram, at PodcastPhil, and catch episodes of The Total Podcast with Phil Scott on YouTube. Now, for other people out there who are wanting to get self-published or just 
get published in general. Um, how did you go about selecting a publisher for your book? Well, that, you know something? Initially, I think that um, when I was writing stories myself, we were thinking of, I was thinking about traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. And all of my work in the past had been through traditional publishers because, well, that's the way it was done. Pre-internet, that's the only way really. When I, well, that's not, I published my own little book in 1991 and I sold it through the back of parenting magazines, which in those days actually had one ad columns like you used to have in newspapers, which sounds archaic now, but that's how you did things. Right. And that was quite successful, you know, like, I mean, it was, it was fine. You could never, and I sold it in the local uh, bookstore as well. They were very accommodating and really keen. Mm -hmm. But that, you never really can get it going. Now, everything's out there for you to do it yourself. You know, like there's so many options now for people to publish. And I think through watching YouTube videos of both self-published authors, independent authors, and people who were publishing through traditional publishing houses, I came to the conclusion that we could do so much more and stay true to what we wanted to do by independently publishing. So we actually set up a publishing company called Babel Garden Publishing. Oh, so and that's that, your own company. That is our own company. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, this, this story even gets more interesting. Wow, <laughs> I love that. Well, that's the thing, Phil. I mean, if you want to do it professionally now, all the tools that are available to the traditional publisher, they're available to independent publishers too. Like everything that they can do, you can do. So it's a very different world to what it was uh, prior, really, on sort of probably 2016, 17. Mm -hmm. I'm not really well versed on exactly when it all started to shift. But I mean, we hire through our publishing company, you know, professionals to help us. So we, we hire professional artists, you know, our artist Kit uh, Lawrence Nakua, he is a professional artist. He does our covers, you know, we hire professional editors. We hire, you know, professional, like people will beta read for us, proofread the same things that other people do. Like if you are going with a big publisher, but the thing about going with the big publishers these days is that unless you're really big you know you have a really big name chances are your book is you know it's down here somewhere right and how does how does it ever get out how do you ever get the word out it was listening to traditional publishers on youtube complaining about their situation that made us realize well why don't we start our own publishing company we can do this we're capable mm -hmm. now it's a steep learning curve yeah let's be honest and the publishing companies have a lot more money than we have as individuals. But we're having, half the fun we're having too, though, is being in charge. Yeah, being able to stay true to our vision, having our own timeline to release the books, picking our own covers, like having complete control is really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. we can turn on a dime, right? Like we can, we can change our advertising strategy. We can do, you know, whatever we want to do, we can do for our book, you know, so... Yeah, it's it's a really different world now. Mm -hmm. It's just a different world. That's awesome. we're enjoying it. <laughs> that that's awesome that you've been able to pretty much be in control of the entire process, yes. which for me is unheard of. So that's awesome. That is well, there awesome. are a lot of people out there doing it, and they're doing it really successfully too. And that's the other wonderful thing about being independently published is that there are so many clever people out there who are doing interesting things, and they're 
very, very generous with their time. Mm -hmm. Really generous, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of resources for people who are new to the industry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you would tell us a little bit about the, the story, the first one, um, Journey to Juniper Junction, and then a little bit about the, the main characters in this story. Okay, well, do you want to take that, Quinn? Do you want to start with? Sure. So, us about it? Yeah, basically, uh, Journey to Juniper Junction. So that's book one in the series, and the series is called My Country Cousins. Um, Gemma, who is our protagonist, comes from her home in England to Canada to almost a farm, which is her cousin's home, and she's spending the summer here. So it's about her experiences being away from home in this new environment, being with these new people. And we try to make it funny. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, lighthearted situations. Uh, yeah, like does. right off the bat, it starts, yes. you start laughing. Yeah, exactly. And our protagonist, Gemma, she is, um, she's quite a reserved person. So she's 10 years old. Yeah, she's 10 years old. And, uh, well, why don't you take over? Yeah, okay. because you know her well. Well, she, yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well. <laughs> but she's, she's a 10 year old girl who has, you know, she's an only child and um, she's had a pretty protected life. She lives in the city in England. She lives in Chester, England, in the north of England, which is a city we know well because Quinn, well, we grew up near, Quinn grew up near Chester in England. So, you know, we know that city. And, um, she's aching for some adventure because her good friend Bronwyn has moved away and she's afraid that she's going to have to go to these day camps which she's starting to feel a little too old for um and instead her parents proposed the idea that she go to Canada to stay with her country cousins and she has one memory of being with them when she was five they were pretty rowdy as she recalled you know compared to her her lifestyle and so she's a little hesitant but then her mother suggesting that she go to these day camps. She's like, no, 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 I'll go to Canada. And they, and then they tell her, you have to go by yourself. So then she's like, Ooh, going by myself. She does it. And that's really what the story's about because so many kids, you know, I mean, kids when they're 10, they're just kind of on that cusp of having to do things by themselves, join into groups, you know, go into that gymnasium full of people. They don't know that kind of stuff. So we just want to empathize with them with that and say, you know, you're really capable and things will happen to you though along the way and you'll have to roll with it because Gemma's mom and dad make it plain to her, you can't come home. You're all the way in Canada. You can't ring us up three nights from now and say, I'm homesick, come and get me. You know, you're going to have to go with it. So that's kind of the underlying reality that she has to deal with. And right. then nothing bad happens to her this is a feel-good series it's entirely uh cheerful and um you know it's challenging but never in a kind of a issue oriented or difficult kind of way it's just kids being kids and what happens and then how do you go with it you know what ha what happens when you meet the chickens kind of thing which we find our readers they love the chickens don't they <laughs> it's just you know because there's lots of com comedic kind of stuff in that well, and, I love, and that's really what it's about. Well, I love the way, because I've read like the first few pages of that book. And I love the way you, you kind of set her up where she, she thinks that she's going to Australia where her friend right. has moved. <laughs> but then she finds out she's, she 
her parents want to send her to Canada instead. She's like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. I, yeah. I don't know about this. So I love the way that you guys set that up. That was perfect. Oh, well, thank you. We yeah. appreciate like, that. Yeah. You're yeah. welcome. Love to hear that. Yeah. That was yeah. absolutely the perfect. The second book that we're doing in the series is called Adventures at Almost a Farm. And now it, it just carries on from here where Gemma is now at the farm. She knows she's staying there. And again, lots of things happen in the following week. And she wonders, does she want to stay here? Like she's getting a little homesick and she's feeling kind of not too sure. But what the story's really about is learning to compromise. You know, that if you, if you can find ways to work together and, and learn from your experiences and compromise, everything's better, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's the same, and definitely the same style of book. Same so, style, yeah, same length, fast paced. Yeah. yeah. And also, you probably noticed too, Phil, that at the end of each of our chapters, we give you a word count in the book. And that has been hugely popular with the kids because these are beginning readers. They're chapter books, but for kids who are becoming independent readers, and they, they tell us they love knowing how many words they've read at the end of each chapter. So yeah, yeah. That's kids, kind of a fun little thing kids to do. love that. And, and have having worked with kids for so many years i mean they 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 love like that incentive to to like know well, hey i've read this many words and now i've read this many words so yeah kids yeah. love that they really absolutely love that even as an adult you read the chapter and you're like oh two thousand words <laughs> <laughs> hi listeners listen to the podcast the Total Podcast with me, your host, Phil Scott. Follow the podcast on Instagram at PodcastPhil and catch episodes of The Total Podcast with Phil Scott on YouTube. Well, you already answered my next question that I had for you. And that was, what do you want children and even their parents to learn from your book? And I guess you pretty much answered that. Well, have we? I guess, yeah, we, 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 we talked about that, actually, didn't we? What, what is it that we want people to take away from our books? I think we want them to, you know, after finishing the book, I think we want them to feel happy, yeah. to feel um you know, kind of a like reprieve from all the pressures of the real world. You can just go into this little world of Juniper Junction and have a good time. And yeah, feel capable, but you know, capable and independent, but also happy and secure where you are. That's right. Yeah. 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 And that's so important just from my own personal experience. Um, I didn't have the greatest childhood growing up. So my escape was reading. Right. And I got into Beverly Cleary books. Gosh, I guess I was in maybe second grade or so. Now, what was it about Beverly Cleary that you liked? I could relate. She's a real feel-good, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. And the, the amazing thing about her writing is that she could relate to kids at any level. I even wrote a, an essay in a bibliography about that, which that was my first published work, actually. Really? It was in grad school. It just started off as a project in grad school and um i ended up getting it published um, wow that's great Good but it's, it's it's called um at their own level 
Beverly Cleary's Ramona novels. And Sweet. yeah. They and Ramona's were, that kind of character, isn't she? She's right. that sort of capable. She's always getting something, something's always happening to Ramona. And then she has to deal with it, right? And, right. And, and she does. And you laugh with her. People have actually said that our books are like Beverly Cleary's books, but more modern. They're set pre, uh, they're set sort of late 80s, early 90s, our books. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, you know, Beverly Cleary's are probably like 50s. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so people have said, yeah, they're more modern, but they're pre-electronic age when right. kids were just kind of, you know, free range. <laughs> and it's amazing. But the same kind of fun. Right. And it's amazing because Beverly Cleary wrote the Ramona books probably from the late 50s. Beezus and Ramona, I think, was the first one because they started off as characters in the Henry Huggins books. That's right. Yes. And yeah. because that's how I got into Beverly Cleary, reading the Henry Huggins books first. Right. Right. And then it, she wrote The Mouse and a Motorcycle and all those. But the Ramona books, I think, is what she's really best known for. I agree. Yeah. Have you read her uh, autobiography? Um, I think it's called The Girl from Yam Hill. I think that's right. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah, many no years since I've read it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Same here. I read that when Quinn was a baby. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah. Years ago. And it was good reading. I enjoyed it. And it's it's amazing, too, because she wrote those books probably from the late 50s, the Ramona novels, until the year 2000. Really? So, yes. Wow. So that was, her, I think the last book that she wrote was the last book in the Ramona series was the last book that she wrote. And I guess she I didn't realize that because she yeah. just passed That's away this past year. Yeah, she, and she was very elderly. 104. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Should we should all be so talented and so lucky. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. It's just, but yeah, she was, she's impressive. Yeah. And really she was iconic. Yeah, and she she inspired me to write, um, just yes. reading her books. So when you have awesome books like yours that inspire kids to read and, and to just be fascinated by the stories that they're reading, I mean, that can make a child, regardless of what situation they're coming from, whether they're, let's just say they don't have the best home life like I had, or even if you have a child that maybe they have a, a great home life or whatever the case may be, but maybe they need something to pique their interest in something else. Stay away from the video games, do something else, be engaged a different way. Reading right. is an awesome way to, of doing that. That's right. It is. And I mean, no matter who you are as a child, you have challenges. Right. You can have, you know, very dire situations, or you can have, you know, a fairly regular kind of upbringing where right. you're, you're not being challenged at home a lot, but you still need an escape. You still need to go somewhere, you know, because you're still dealing with people in the playground or you're dealing with, you know, something you've seen on television that's made you uncomfortable or again, I'm dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> I keep talking about television. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I agree though. I think reading, and you would agree with that too, Quinny. I mean, oh, you were a great reader. I was up. an avid reader growing up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, it's so it's wonderful for kids to have that. Yeah, and when it really helps them, it's nice. It's nice to be a part of that too. So I, oh, I love yeah. hearing that that you think that our books are a great escape for children. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I I think they are, and I can't wait to read the the next one that's coming out. Well, thank you. So I'm looking forward to that. And I wanted to ask you too, what is the targeted age range for your um, books? 
Um, so six to 10 is our target age range, but you know, kids could read it younger and they could certainly read it older than that too. Right. It's, uh, yeah. It's a uh, enjoyable, like I said, early chapter book, but we're aiming six to 10 year olds. Yeah. The other funny thing is we've discovered a lot of elderly people love our books. Really? Like one lady bought 12 copies to hand out to her friends and she's in her eighties. Because wow. she said that um, there's a scene in here where the children play in the barn. And she said it took her back to when she was a kid growing up in Scotland. They lived in the country and that was what they used to do. They'd play in the barn. I'm not going to give away too much about what they do in the barn. She said it was just like reading about herself and her siblings playing. And she said, I read it over and over. I just, it made me so happy. And that made us happy too, because yeah. people have told us they bought them to share with their grandchildren, you know, and, and just talk about, it's not like they're set in the olden days. It's not like they're Laura, Laura Ingalls Wilder or something like that, but they're set, like you say, in a time when kids just kind of, you know, well, and in the city, they'd say, come back when the streetlights come on. Right. And in the country, they would just say, well, if you set out on your bike, for example, because I grew up in the country, your parents didn't know where you were. And they would say, well, when you get to your friend's house, call us to let us know you got there kind of thing. But there were no cell phones or anything to to be in touch with your kids, right. which I think maybe is scary for a lot of people to think about. But that was just the way it was. So we kind of said it in those times because we thought, well, that way the kids are stuck. They got to figure it out themselves. <laughs> and that's a good lesson for kids, too. That they are capable. They can figure it out for themselves, given the opportunity. That's something that in the second book, um, again, I'm not going to give anything away, but Gemma is just so surprised at how well they can figure things out for themselves, just given the opportunity, you know? So, yeah, I think a lot of respect for children in our books, mm -hmm. you know? Now, what? No, go ahead, please. No, I wanted to ask you, now you're both parents, which I think is awesome. And so in, in each of your own opinions, what is the most important aspects of being a positive and effective parent? And I'm sure you, you two probably share a lot of views on this. So, <laughs> Well, thankfully we do, don't we? Yeah. I'm flattered by the fact that we do, but um, shall I start since I'm, yeah. Well, I always used to say, I, I think the most important thing that you can do as a parent is just know that everything your child does, no matter how bizarre or annoying or whatever is normal. You know, if you come at it and say, it's all normal, but not necessarily appropriate, then the child never feels like there's something wrong with them. Right. So for example, I had a child, I have four children and my son, I have three daughters and then I, I have two daughters and then I had twins, boy, girl twins. Wow. And my son, he was just a little live wire. So for example, he might run into a house one. Yeah, when he was like one year old, he was fast. <laughs> and he would be like a little chimp. He'd be like right up onto the dining room table. Wow. No kidding. <laughs> you know, and he'd be so happy. And, you know, I'd have to take him off the table and explain to him that it was normal to want to be on the top, on the table, because the same way he'd go to the park and want to be at the top of the monkey bars or at the top of that rock cliff or whatever. But it wasn't appropriate. <laughs> you know, you had to keep your feet on the floor in the house and that kind of stuff. That way he never, you know, I didn't say, what are you doing up there? Get off that table, you know. He didn't get a weird feeling about himself. He just felt like, nope to self. Tables are not for walking on. <laughs> <laughs> and that way I think it's always a challenge 
you know, because obviously you're tired some days, but they never feel uncomfortable in their own skin. They're like, oh, I'm okay here. I need to learn the rules, but I'm fine, you know. Yeah, I would second that because I mean, growing up with mom having that attitude, that was awesome because it, you know, it was really good for us. And I think also another thing that I grew up with that I do as well is um, helping my kids put their emotions into words. So if they're, my uh, older daughter just turned three, so she talks all the time now, but if she's feeling angry or she's feeling sad or whatever her emotion is, helping her find the language to explain to me why she's feeling like that. And in doing that, she can understand her own emotions better and then she can help herself. So I think that's another thing that I grew up with that I think is really important. Yeah, that was vital. That's yeah. vital. Yeah. When they're furious, you know, because little children, as you know, get furious. Yeah. When they're furious <laughs> and they're just driving you crazy because they're so mad. You know, yeah, why do you feel that way? Tell me why you feel that way. Yeah. Help, help them find Giving the words them to, words. Yeah, to yeah. express their emotions. Yeah. That really helps. Yeah. Hi, listeners. Listen to the podcast, The Total Podcast, with me, your host, Phil Scott. Follow the podcast on Instagram at PodcastPhil and catch episodes of The Total Podcast with Phil Scott on YouTube. Tell me, if, if you will, tell, tell the listeners and the viewers um, about the next book that's coming out pretty soon. Okay, we will. January 25th, Adventures at Almost a Farm. And uh, it's available on Amazon. That's right. It's available on Amazon. It's actually available anywhere books are sold if you ask for it by name. It won't be, you know, stocked on the shelves, but you can certainly order it through any bookstore. And... Uh, it's, it's just, as we say, it's the second book in the series. We're hoping to do lots and lots of books. It's, um, it's another, it's, it's the same as this one in that it's a chapter book. It's aimed at children six to 10. It's a continuation of the story of Gemma and her cousins as they just go about their daily lives and have a laugh and learn about compromise. What else could we say about the book? Yeah, um, you know, when things aren't perfect, so if people begin to quarrel or someone's cross with you, how do you handle that? How do, what does she do? Yeah. So that's essentially what it's about. Yeah, her yeah. coming to just getting more and more comfortable where she is at almost a farm. And in yourself, because that's a good point. When you're happy and everything's going your way and you're just kind of clicking along and you're with people that you've recently met, it's really fun. But the minute things go wrong, and you don't know where you fit in this puzzle. You just want to go home, really, don't you? Right. You just want to go home where people know you and will put up with your little quirks and all the rest of it. What do you do when you can't go home? How do you handle it? That's really what this story is about. Yes. Yeah. Well, I can see your book going over very well um, in many classrooms because there, there are big lessons to be learned from your books. Well, thank you. Thank you. We would love for, you know, it to be like a read aloud for kids in classrooms. We have you had, that. as a matter of fact, have you had any feedback from any teachers yet on your book? Oh, yes. Yes, we have. We've had a lot of feedback, actually, where 
in fact, when we first started writing this book, um, we had a beta reader who was a, a teacher and she said, wow, this is such a great chapter book. She was the one that really helped us to see the potential for the future of putting together educational materials and things like that, that we'll be doing in future um, to go along with the books for probably grades one, two, three, you know, like those early years when kids are really starting to learn to read. And yeah, teachers everywhere have told us they love it. They love the positivity. They love the lesson without it being like a bash over the head kind of a lesson. There's no lecturing or anything like that. Right. And there's very few instances of adults appearing in our books. They come and they go. But our take, we always laugh about, um, you remember the old Charlie Brown? And they would have the teacher at the front of the class and all you could hear was whack, 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 whack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. When I was a kid, I used to think, what's the teacher saying? <laughs> but the truth is, the joke is for the adults there because the kids are living in their own world. Like, you're there to get lunch. <laughs> you're there to drive them to the bookstore. You know, right. that kind of stuff. I mean, they adore you, of course. You know, they love you. But they're living their own lives and their big lives. So we really try to keep the adults in the background, firmly in the background in our books. And teachers have told us kids love that. They really yeah. enjoy that it, it's about kids, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what makes it even more uh, special that that is written that way, that, that you're not trying to draw adults in too much. But like you said, they yes. just come and go. And I yes. think that's the way it should be. Now, yeah. And it, it, it just it just makes it work. It just works. Well, that's really nice to hear, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we love yeah. that. Yeah, they need to be there. I mean, we need adults, you know, there facilitating. But um, yeah, kids have their own big lives. Wow. Well, I am so honored to have you two ladies on. It, it has been a thrill to have you on the oh. podcast. <laughs> Thank you. And, yeah, we really enjoyed this. This and, has been a lot of fun, Phil. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, I appreciate you de- uh, putting up with my technical difficulties. Oh. I, had to, I, had, I did end up switching. I tried to get the first computer to work again. Didn't work. So I went to my backup computer. Yay. It works. <laughs> <laughs> so we were able to get this going. So I appreciate it. Heather, Quinn, thank you both so very much for coming on the podcast today. Um, and best of luck to you with your book that's coming out. And tell us the title again. You go ahead. Yeah, so it's Adventures at Almost a Farm. And it's coming out January 25th. And it is available on Amazon. Indeed. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's available. This book is available in hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Right. And the other will be as well. We haven't yet done the audiobook for, almost, for Adventures at Almost a Farm, but we will be doing an audiobook for that too. Oh, one quick question. I'm glad you mentioned the audio book um, because I noticed that you did do one for the first one. And how did you go about choosing a, a reader for the book? So how, how did you, how is that process for you? Because I've always wondered how that works. That was actually really fun. That but was fun. You no, no, you bought that. that. No. Me too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we had a lot of fun with that because we started talking about doing an audio book and then we thought, well, why not? We love audio books and they're terrific to have in the car. You know, if you're taking the kids somewhere, going on a holiday, we always used to listen to audiobooks as a family when we went on family holidays and that sort of thing. So what we did was we uh, auditioned actors who are specialists in reading audiobooks. 
Wow. And we probably heard 14 or 15 different actors do our, read our story for us. And they just give you a sample and you, you just decide who sounds right. And we just heard our um, narrator, Andrea, and she just nailed it, didn't she? We yeah, just thought, so no, fun. Yeah, the way we, she read it. She has, how we imagined yeah, it. she has the British accent and she has, she almost makes it, it sounds like almost like a classic kid's story, kind of like a, as if you're hearing Eden Blyton's story being read or something like that. It just had a really good ring and we've had really good feedback. I mean, we'd love to have more reviews. And I will quickly say that anybody who's read the book or listened to the audiobook, if you would review it, we would so appreciate that because it makes a big, big difference. But the feedback we've had personally on the audiobook has been terrific. People love it. Yeah. Yeah, so we auditioned, we chose her, and then she records it for us. It was pretty quick. Yeah, it was a pretty quick process because it's such yeah. a short book. So it's pretty quick for her to read. Yeah. Um, and then just put it online. And Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to do that. You can do it uh, through ACX, which is the Amazon um, company that does audiobooks. Mm-hmm. You can also do it through Findaway Voices, who, who publish audiobooks wide which means on lots of different platforms. So yes. there's, you know, there are lots of ways to do it. it. It really requires research and just deciding what's right for you. Oh, wanted to ask you really quickly too, before we signed off, um, do you have a, a website and, and links for your Instagram and such that um, people can uh, connect with you and follow yes. you? Yeah, yes. so our website is heatherandquinn.com. Yeah, heatherandquinn.com. Yes, and you know our Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, we're the same. Heather and Quinn, that's our handle on Instagram. We have a very active community there, and uh, we just love it. It's so much fun, like I say. it's The people are fantastic. But you can certainly reach us there, and you can reach us on our through our uh, website. We also, in the back of our books, we have information about how you can contact us. You can even post us things. We set up a post box just for our readers. So if anybody wanted to draw us pictures or send us news or, you know, send us mail or whatever, they could do that. That's awesome. And, and one quick note about the Instagram community. You're, you're right. It's, it's amazing how many authors are able to connect and, and just get, share their stories. And it's, it's been a real learning experience for me because that's, that's how I've met um, some of my authors that I've interviewed on the podcast through Instagram. Yeah. And so yeah. it just, it just makes a huge difference to have that, that connective audience out there and, and those, that this big circle of authors, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and readers, because yes. we're really connected with a lot of our readers there and they're so much fun. You know, they really give us a lot of feedback and help us to understand the kinds of stories that they want to read. You know, so that's really important for us to hear from our readers. We love to hear what they want to see. Now, see, I, another question just popped into my head. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I know I'm drawing this out, but I, I have no, to ask fun. this. Feedback from readers, from kids. Yeah. What has been your most humorous or most heartwarming feedback that you've gotten from kids? Oh God, there's so much of it. I don't even know if we could. Well, something. One, if you can think of really it. Funny, you know, because most of them they're reading the story and they're just saying, "Please give us more." <laughs> I guess the funny thing is, Aww. when we first wrote this book, it was the parents that wrote to us, and they were funny, weren't they? Too, like they would say to us, 
um, oh my goodness, now she wants to do and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, it's a story. Wow. <laughs> you know, so that wow. was kind of funny. But they they want the next book. They're like, mom, go buy the next book. And then the mom or the dad, or the, you know, or whomever's buying it, kind of, it's not out yet. So they're saying, when's the next book? <laughs> we're saying, okay, we've got one in January. We've got another coming in July. So, you know, we're hoping that once we have sort of five, six, seven of these books out there, then things will really take off because people will be able to say, oh, goody, here's a bunch of books that I can buy yeah, for easy, my kids. Yeah, easy for their, easy to find for their children. Right. Yeah. And they and, can fly through them. And that's how you know that you're, what you're doing is working. When you yes. have kids wanting you to write more books and what, they can't wait for the next book to come out, that's awesome. And that, that's the way it was for me. Um, reading books. Oh, when's the next book coming out? Yeah. I was that way when I was a child too. So that's, yes. that's awesome. So that just goes to show that you ladies are doing a magnificent job. So well, that's really sweet of you Thank to say. You. Thank yeah. you. So, so appreciate that. Well, yeah, we really appreciate your time today too. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy weekend and to, to do the podcast interview. So again, ladies, thank you so much. We have Heather, we have Quinn. Ladies, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I hope to have you on again. Definitely. Yeah, we've enjoyed it. So I'd love to talk about the next book with you. So that would be awesome. (laughs) So thank you. Thanks so so much. You're welcome. So with that, everyone, that is it for this episode of The Total Podcast with me, your host, Phil Scott. Everyone stay safe. Be careful out there. Take care of one another, and we will talk again soon.